Amen. Have your seat. Say to your neighbor, welcome. Welcome. Tell your neighbor you look good. Look, turn to your other neighbor and you... Listen, listen. If your neighbor didn't like that, turn to your other neighbor and say, you look better than the last time I saw you. You look better than the last time I saw you. Whoa. Mm. Compliment them about something. If their shoes are looking fresh, let them know. If the trim is sharp, let them know. Hair, everything, let them know. Can everyone confirm? Everyone can confirm their neighbor's looking good. Yeah? Your neighbor's looking good? Yeah? Over this side, your neighbor's looking good? If, if not, let me know. I can transfer you to somewhere. Yeah? Let me know. Okay. So we're all good looking people in the house of the Lord. Amen. So before we, we enter, we're in a um, season. Our series is what, guys? Bold. So we're talking about being bold and being bold in the Lord. Um, and it's something that's absolutely crucial because if I'm being deadly serious, if I'm being very, very honest and vulnerable because this is my family, um, boldness is something that has been missing probably maybe the last three months inside of my life. Maybe we're doing, I'm doing things that are not coming out of a place of boldness, but I'm just doing them because, you know what, I've come to a point where I must. Some of the decisions that I'm making are just, I'm just making them because they have to get done. But if I'm stepping out there with boldness, I don't think that's something that I'm doing right now. Just purely because me, myself, I can't speak for you. And today the message that I'm going to give is not for every single person here. I'm speaking for those who have found themselves in a cyclical motion. They found themselves in a season where they're screaming that I have to transition from here, but they can't find a way to move. There's a boldness that's lacking to take the next step. I'm speaking to those who have found themselves in a place that they would have called uncomfortable, but right now they're comfortable in that particular kind of place. That doesn't necessarily mean that I failed in life, but you're standing here and you're saying, at this age, at this point inside of my life, there should be more. I didn't picture that I was going to be in this place. Now, I'm here to tell that particular person that that's not a faction or that's not uh, um, a particular point that your life is going astray, but there is something that you must do now. We have to add that boldness element to what we're about to do. If you're going to make the next step and transition onwards, you've got to make it from a place of boldness because if not, we might be here longer than we have to be. See what I'm saying? We might be here longer than we must. Or maybe when we then take the steps, every single step of the way is going to be painful because we don't know what we're doing or we don't know why we took the step. There wasn't a boldness that came with it. Maybe like me, you're just moving because we must. We're moving because we must. I got to a point um, when I was in uni where we're going to lectures just because we must. Ask me afterwards what, 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 what the topic was, I couldn't tell you. Because when I sit at the back, I write the date, I write the topic. Before I know, Donnie's moving fast. I have done a quarter of the page. Well, we just have to sit through the next 35 minutes. And then wait, you flip your book, you go. We're just walking, we're walking, we're moving, we're moving. And all you're doing, you start the year waiting for, I'm going to get a first class. Midway, mm, let's get a, a good 2-1. By the time we get to first semester, every prayer session I'm there saying, Lord, make a way. Why? Because in order for us to cross the 2-1 barrier, God has to move. So you see, there's a boldness that's sort of missing in my steps. I'm now just walking just because I have to. And me who deserves the very best, I'm settling for the bare minimum. Why? Because if I bring it home to Auntie Mercy, what she's going to do? Where? So I have to what? just keep moving and moving. And I'm talking about a group of people inside of the Bible that 
their names are never mentioned. How strong they were is never mentioned. Who they were, you don't know. But all they describe them by is their weakness. And I guess I say that to say most of the time we sit in our place of uncomfortability or we stay inside of our season because we've been here so long, all we see is our weakness. You've been rejected from interview after interview and you no longer see your strengths, but you see every reason why they rejected you. Because every single one of them have looted the same thing. How many of you have gotten, you've applied for job after job at this point in time when you get an email, you know what it's going to say? Unfortunately, we've read it and after careful consideration, you can tell I know the script very well. And you get to a point, my guy, after a while, you don't even expect that it's going to come. Then all you see is your weakness and your weakness. A person that once used to be strong, here I am. So tell me, when it's time for me to, to transition, where will I get the strength to go? When they now call you to interview, you're panicking because you haven't done one in so long, how will I fare? You won't move in boldness. There's a weakness that has, has become your complete identity. But how do I tell that person? Or how does me as a person who has found himself in that place and feels like I don't even deserve to move on? But I'm here to tell that person, you do deserve to move on. But in order to take that next step in how you see yourself, it's got to be a bold one. You've just got to take the very bold step. Maybe you're sitting there waiting and you're saying, I can do this, I want to do this, but I need to hear God speak. And more often than not, let's be honest, the hearing God speak, if I ask you how is he going to speak, you don't know. But it's an excuse that we give ourselves. Because as long as I haven't really clearly heard him, I can stay where I am. I don't have to move forward. As long as I can, I can say, do you know, was that him? No, it wasn't. So let me just stay here a little bit longer till he clearly shows me that Angel Gabriel will come, a golden bowl. I pick his name out and he said, this is my wife. Whoa. But really and truly, my guy just dropped the game. Boldly step out. Do you get what I'm saying? As long as we can say that, we stay in the place that we are. But these are four people the Bible describes. And they took bold steps like never before. And see what God did with their steps, not with anything else. Now, these particular people, the Bible doesn't describe that they go and they prayed and they inquired of God. In actual fact, the situation that they were facing was certain death. But yet still, the boldness, the boldness to take the steps that they took, you're going to see what God did inside of their lives. So just to set the scene, we're throwing back to ancient Israel. And this is, I'm sure we've heard of Elijah, the other guy, Elisha, prophet. So Elisha has said a few things over Israel. And um, what's happened is the enemies have now surrounded all of their camp. So actually, Benito, what you were saying was very, very bang on in terms of the walls and the gate. But I'll make sure you, you know how accurate you are. But the enemies have now surrounded them. That's number one. And surrounded them so much that inside of Israel, inside of this place of Samaria, nothing can go in and nothing can come out. So everything is getting expensive to the point where a donkey's head was costing Imagine buying a bag for a donkey's head. That's a lot of money. And that's how, how hungry they become. That one, they have to settle for eating donkey head. And when you go and buy the donkey head, it's a lot of money. To the point where the king was now walking on the walls, 
he spoke to a particular woman that's an inhabitant inside of the city, and he asked the woman, what is your problem? And she said this, imagine getting into a situation so bad that he said, she said, my problem is I had an agreement with another woman that inside of the city we're so hungry that we said, let me, let me eat your child. Let's share your child, eat her or him. And then when we're done with that one, then we'll eat yours. But my problem is that after us eating mine, she decided not to allow me to eat hers. That's how bad the situation was. That's her problem. Her problem is someone allowed me to kill my child but won't let me kill theirs. That's how bad the situation was. But then on the outside, there were four lepers. Now what lepers are, um, they had this disease called leprosy. And inside of those times, if you had the skin disease, it was sort of like any Game of Thrones fans in here. Um, what's that? Grayscale. And you have to go into, once you get that, they have to banish you. Because everyone else's skin will be looking a bit more scaly and things like that. And you were seen as unclean, basically. Now, what leprosy was, though, is apart from that skin condition, which was really, really bad, it also allowed their limbs to, to form in a, in a malform, basically. So their hands and their limbs will sort of, sort of curve up and just shape up really badly. And it hurt for them to walk. But outside of all of that, it was seen as they were sort of untouchable and they were cursed. So they will gather outside of the city and whatever sort of food was thrown away, that's what they would eat. But now here is a case where you guys don't want me inside of the city, you push me outside. And now I'm outside of the city, this city is surrounded, you have no food coming in and you clearly won't give me anything that's coming outside. So you're hungry and we're hungry. What are we to do? Because I'm seen as undesirable. What am I to do when I, I, I came out of university and I knew that certainly I was going to get a job. Nine months down the line, I'm 60-something applications and um, um, uh, rejections and withdrawals in, and I'm standing on the outside and saying, even something as simple as Tesco, I can't get. So what do I do then? How do I then gather the, the, the energy or gather the confidence to apply for what I once wanted as opposed to what people think I'm settling for? But me settling for that thing is because I need something so desperately. Because what's coming outside of those gates, it's not going to be the choice food I want anyway. So at least give me the scraps that you guys won't, will, will just throw away. But that's what the four lepers were doing on the outside. Now if we open to 2 Kings chapter 7, we see what these people in a very dire situation decided to do. First, 2 Kings chapter 7, um, we'll go from verse 1. Then the prophet Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow by this time, a measure of flour will sell for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the captain on whose hands the king leaned answered the man of God, If the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But Elisha said, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now, there were four men who were lepers. Can we say four men who were lepers? And they were at the entrance of the city's gate. And they said to one another, should we sit here until we die? Essentially, should we just confront and be in this perpetual situation that we feel like we have no uh, um, control over? Should we just sit here and take what they projected on us, what they've called us our entire life? Should we sit here until we're useless and we die? 
But I think the question I want to answer them is, where are you going to go? Because when you go into the city, no one will come near you. Your own family will reject you because you're a cursed thing. And now you're surrounded by enemies. Of course, death is certain. So this is a silly question, essentially. Because when they weren't surrounded, maybe you could have asked that, gone into the city and sort of made a way. But now the situation looks dire. What are you going to do? Should we sit here until we die? Then in verse 4 it says, If we say we will enter the city, then a famine in the city, we will die there. But if we sit here, we will die here also. Now come, this is the decision they made. Come, let us go into the camp of the Assyrians. So the Assyrians are those that have surrounded Israel and want to kill whatever comes out of Israel. So he said, let's go into the city of the Sumerians, uh, Syrians. If they spare us, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. That's the bold step that they decided to take. They said, you know what? The situation looks dire anyway. If I decide not to apply for the job, I'm jobless. If I decide to apply and they reject me, what am I? Still jobless. So why not apply for the job? If it says you need to have gone to this particular uni, if you apply... And they say the training contract is not yours. What are you? You still stay in the job that you are. But if you apply and they take you, what about that? What are you? You're, you're a trainee lawyer, no? Do you get what I'm saying? So that's the logical situation. Sometimes we find ourselves in that particular place and we choose the opposite side. How many times have we done that? We're saying, but if I go, I would I'll get rejected. What's the result of getting rejected? I don't get it. But right now you don't have it. So why not make the bold step to get it? What's the difference? But the difference is one of them, let's be honest, will be painful. It doesn't matter how many rejections I've gotten by email. When I see one, I went for a, a job interview. And I promise you, I didn't want the job. I, did, I actually didn't want the job. So when I went there, I was just going with confidence and I was sitting there just, mm, because at the end of the day, this job is beneath me. If I get it anyway, just to put a small change in my pocket, shall I? So sitting there answering the questions with, with vim and confidence, like I'm overqualified for the job. When I came out, I was even like, maybe I oversold myself. What if they now come and give me the job? What would I now do? They rejected me. And you know, when I saw the rejection, I was like, how dare you look? You know when it hurts, like, I didn't want it anyway, but at least give me the satisfaction of knowing that at least you take me. So after that now, I'm sitting there thinking, wait, so if these lot reject me, Lord, what, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do? So let's be honest, sometimes we make that decision because although the result is the same, one party hurts more than the other. But the party that hurts more will at least take you closer to the direction you're trying to go. The party that doesn't hurt, you stay in the exact same place. But if you choose to stay in the exact same place, firm it. Don't then be moaning to God and saying, God, when will this change? When will this change? When will my season? I feel like I'm the one in the desert and you make rivers to flow in the desert. If you don't like the desert, move. But we choose to stay here. And I understand it because one half hurts and the other does. But here are four lepers. So you and I, were not lepers. Some of us might classify ourselves, you know, in the grand scheme of society. Maybe uh, um, um, aesthetically, you don't fit into the way society accepts you. Maybe by qualification, you're not what society accepts you as. Maybe you went 
to do what society accepts and you feel like you came out, you weren't able to grab the degree and you feel like you're a failure. Maybe you might see yourself in that class. So then it doesn't make sense to then move forward. This is where I deserve. But here you're faced with the same result. It takes boldness to take the step towards what hurts more. But here is what God does because outside of the world, that's where it hurts. But there is an illogicality when you serve a living God. When there is a God on your side that fights and moves, it says, at the blast of his nostrils, the Red Sea parted into two. That's the God that is on your side. You stand at the Red Sea after moving and he says, stretch your rod towards the sea whose end you cannot see. How does that make sense? But you stretch it and what happens? Here are a group of people walking through dry land. So in order to take the bold step, first and foremost as Christians is realizing that there is a God that is able to do what exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that you could ask or think according to the power that works in you. Knowing that I should take the bold step requires you looking at this God and saying, do you know what? I can do all things through not my strength, but through Christ who strengthens me. That's what changes the game. Because you're going in uncertainty anyway. But here's what God did with these four lepers. It says, and they arose in the twilight and they went towards the Syrian camp. But when they came to the edge of the camp, they saw no one. And that's another point. Sometimes we decide, okay, let's take the bold step now. And let's go towards what we, we feel like if we go, they might reject me. But yes, still, let me take the bold step. And you're going towards it and it doesn't look like what you expected it to look like. Have we, have we all been there before? When you're walking towards what you thought was a risk, and as you go towards it, it's like, ah, this isn't what I bargained for. This isn't what they sold, they sold like they said it was going to be. For some people, taking a bold step was going to university. But coming up outside of uni now, you're realizing that this adult world isn't what they sold it to be. Oyster is taking my money. TFL is just, just sucking me dry. They take, oh God, TFL. And I'm hearing every January they bump the price as well. What are we going to And you're realizing that the adult world isn't, do you know what I've come to you, the point I've come to you? I'm even thinking, what course can I do that I could go back and, so I just won't, can it end? Because <laughs> the first time when I got my job and I, they said, since year 12, year 13 actually, I've been woken up at 5, when was the last time you woke up at 5.30 prior to coming out of uni? Even when you were going to uh, sit form or college, that was calm. 6 a.m. was calm. Now, you be honest. When you got to uni, 9 a.m. were you making them? 10, 11. For some people, 12 is even early. But I remember waking up winter, five, it was still dark. I sat on the edge of my bed. I said, Lord, is this really what you have for me? Because I've come to the edge of the camp and no one is there. At least there has to be someone there that I can at least ask. Because I'm in my sad situation anyway. Let me come here and say, beg, please, sir. I don't even want two bread. Just the back of the bread. Butter it once, just once, and let me eat it. After all, I'm going to die anyway. But you get there, there is no one there. No one you can talk to. No one you can share and let them know that I've come this far, at least entertain what, what I've been like. Or you go and you realize that I expected a panel of three at this interview. 
there's just one woman. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. I've revised, I've talked about why I want this job outside of the fact that I just need money. Why I want this job, why this company is the best for me and you, you just want to talk child's play and stuff. But I've, re I've, I've revised the interview questions so much that it's just sitting on my head. If you knock me, all the questions will fall out. Let's get to the point. And you're just talking about your children and, and Jack the dog and how you did a marathon and how, oh, you're from Ghana. Got a friend from Uganda, you know him? No. <laughs> Let's get to the point. But what we fail to realize is the reason we've, they've come to the edge of this camp and they see no one, this is the miracle God did. Remember, these are four lepers. They can barely walk. I'm sure every single step to that Assyrian camp in twilight where it's dark, they can't see anything. Now we have pavements and stuff. This was rocky ground. Don't know if you lot have walked barefoot in rocky ground before. Yeah, I'm from GH. I've done it. My foot mashed up because of it. And you're walking in every single step of the way. You, as a normal limbed person, would hurt. But someone with malformed limbs. And every step of the way, every lifting of every leg is heavy. It hurts. And you try, you drag yourself all the way. Maybe at some point, you had to pick up one of them and say, let's just keep going. At some point in your, your dark time, maybe you've had to convince your mom that there is a reason why I'm still waiting for this particular thing. It's a reason why I still need to apply for this course no matter how many times they reject me because this is what I feel like I've been called to do. And as, as, as you're sitting at home and you're trying to find a way, everyone is thinking you're not applying for jobs. You're not trying your best. Whether you're, you've applied for seven that very morning, afternoon, and evening, that's 21. And you're dragging yourself along and it hurts. And all along you're just crying. You're walking towards the camp. Just step by step you get that at least. The first thing I will ask is, please sir, just water. Let me moisturize my mouth and let you know my, my situation here. You get that there is no one there because this is what God has done. For the Lord had made the Syrian army hear a noise of chariots and horses. And the noise of a great army. And then they said to one another, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to come upon us. So the Syrians rose and they fled twilight and they left their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and even the camp as it was. And they fled for their lives. So what's just happened there, just to put into perspective, every single step that they dragged their feet, Every single step that they decided boldly, I'm going to take this next one and not turn back. I'm going to take this one going forward and not turn back. The decision they made that even if I die, I'm going to go forward. Every single step while they were crying, God was making every thump sound like an army. Chariots, horses, just running, running, running. You wonder why she got there, you got to the interview and she was just talking to you like you were friends because she got the memo the night before. She could not sleep because she said, if I don't hire this girl, I have unrest. There is something that God can do that before you get the favor has gone ahead of you just by taking the very bold step. And it said these people who could barely walk, God was making them sound like something that they were not. And with every bold step that we're taking as Christians, because we don't stand at our own, we stand with God behind us. And he's the Lord of what? Heaven's armies. So those horses and chariots that they were hearing, there were really horses and chariots there. But in the physical, there were four lepers. 
Four people who did not deserve to be on the road to even what they called certain death. But behind them, their faith had touched heaven. And God was making people hear horses and chariots and them thinking, no, we must leave everything that we have behind. Because these people are coming here to kill us. But if they waited maybe just one hour, they will realize that these people are just four people who can barely walk. But look at what God has done. Through the bold steps of four lepers, the Bible doesn't even describe them as men. So what are you and I sitting down doing? When we have that decision and we're faced with, do I stay or do I go? If we go, they might reject us. But if we stay, we're still rejected. We might as well go because we have God on our side. The Bible describes that um, David, I think in 1 Samuel verses 30, he finishes doing what God had told him to do. And he returned back to Ziglag. And all of his wives, the men that he fought with, their wives, all of their children had been taken away. So then, now we begin to ask ourselves, so I'm stuck in this place where I want to transition. I want to take that bold step. So what's the first thing that we do? We do what David did. And when David saw that the men were planning to stone him, why? Because their wives and their children had been taken away. The first thing that he asked the high priest was what? Bring me the ephod. Let me consult God for myself. The first thing we should do when we want to take that bold step is run into the presence of God. Let's go and worship. It's the same thing that Jehoshaphat did when he saw that all of Edom were coming after him. He said, what's the first thing I would do? It wasn't just... Let me get my books in order. Let me plan. How will I do it? If I take this route, maybe the smoother ground there. Maybe that's what the four lepers were doing, one of them. If we take this ground, this is smoother. Here there's a ditch. Here there's a valley. Here there's a mountain. The first thing that David and Jehoshaphat did is they ran into the presence of God. And they began to worship. And I'm sure they were pouring out their heart. I'm sure they were crying out. They were oh, sing praise you are God. For his name is worthy, worthy. That doesn't make sense. You're about to die. What are you doing? Doing all of that. For what reason? Why? Because the, the journey I'm about to make is not of my own. If it was of my own, I would just pick up my bag and just walked. But if I want my very step to sound like horses and chariots, if I want my weakness to sound like, to look like strength, if I want my brokenness to look like something that I'm not, if I want everything that I am to look like him, I must run into his presence. That's just simple. We cannot take that bold step without running into his presence because you running into his presence in the midst of something like that says one thing, I have faith in you. Because the Bible describes that those who, without faith, we cannot please God. Because those who come to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you go first and you seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. Worship him and let him know that irrespective of, you are still king. Because when the times were bad, did God stop being God? When it was good, did God stop being God? So let him know that regardless, you are still God. And there's nothing God delights more than the worship of his people. There is nothing that brings his presence down. The Bible describes that he himself comes down and sits in that. So if you're looking for a way in which to draw God down, just worship him and let him know. And I believe that if God of heaven can come and sit inside of your worship, he will directly see what you're going through. Because the lepers, the Bible doesn't record that they sat down and they prayed and they worshipped and things of that nature. But 
they took a step of faith. And in order for us to bring faith out, we have to directly tap into who he is. So one, we go into worship. We do what Jehoshaphat did and what David did. And the result of that afterwards was, number two, we wait. Because sometimes we're in a rush. Sometimes we just want to, uh, um, like there are two things that we can do while we're trying to wait. We can fake wait, which means that as long as I stay here, I'm just comfortable. Or we can rush, meaning that we're still not looking after the things of God. We're just looking after our own. But either way, we wait. And David waited on the Lord and he said, should I pursue and take over? And God said, take and recover everything that you lost. I pray that someone here will deserve in Jesus' name. And the same went for Jehoshaphat as well. And God said to him, do you know what? Even you do something illogical. Go into this, arm, this battle and let the worshippers lead. Let them lead the forefront. You started with worship. Continue worshipping. Because as you worship, they're going to think that there is an army coming after them. And all you're doing is playing six strings. All you're doing is hitting cojon. Keys, king, 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 king. But they're going to think, whoa. If I don't allow them to take over, what can happen? That's the boldness that we need to have inside of our God. And the last thing is just this step of faith. So when you've done all of that, when you've done all of that, let's get out of that habit of um, fake waiting on God. Because we need to wait on God. When you've done all of that, the very human thing is to be scared. The very human thing is to be nervous. Because Peter stood at the edge of his boat one day and Jesus told him to step out. And all he had to do was what? Step. And every single step of the way, what do you do? In our faith, we keep our eyes on him. In our faith, we keep our eyes on him. And I believe that the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above, will ensure that every bold step that you take is not a step in vain. Because he said he orders the steps of the righteous man. He orders the steps of a righteous man just so that in the end, he can delight in his way. So I just want us to rise up today. And all we just want to say is, directly to God, we just want to say, empower me. Empower me with the ability. Just want to trust you. And that in any season that you find yourself, you know yourself individually. And we're praying, Lord, in this thing that you've spoken to me about, in this season, oh Lord, that I want to transition from, where I feel like I found myself just perpetually in a cycle, Lord God, I'm asking for the strength, the strength to transition from that, the strength to take the bold step in believing you, O oh Lord, the strength in taking the bold step in, in, in going for what you called me to do. Father, Lord, even if it's the strength to keep waiting on you, God, give us the strength to keep waiting. If it's the strength to first and foremost take our problems to you, give us the strength to take our problems to you, O oh Lord. Father, Lord, but we pray for the gift of faith inside of us, that we don't depend on ourselves, but we depend on you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.